Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Guten Tag, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Hang what's with the German? What's not? What's wrong? I, I, you know, I actually tried to say good e afternoon in Scottish, but uh, it was too much for this poor little mind. <laughs> so maybe, maybe we get our... our, maybe we get our so, you, I go, whoa, 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 whoa. so you couldn't do Scottish Gaelic, so you're going to do it in German? Yeah, I could do German. <laughs> or oh, well. Spanish, if you like, yeah. or French, or you know, uh, Polish. Uh, but uh, no, Scottish, I can't do. Anyways, I'm just thinking you must be psychic because I'm just back from Frankfurt at the weekend. Oh, see, there you go, Frankfurt. I know it. Don't, so, don't, don't, don't tell him he's psychic, please, Anne. <laughs> we, we, All right. So since we've heard, I guess I'm also what you do, sir. Anyways, joining us on this fabulous show, besides uh, the ghost editing, ghost hunting, Steve Parsons, is the chairman of the Sir Arthur Nicorio Cornad Doyle Center. They don't spell anything right, do they? Uh, member of the Society for Psychical Research London, renowned psychic investigator, member of the Scottish Society for Psychic Research, and a member of Edinburgh College of Parapsychology, and, uh-oh, Treherne. Was that ah. close? <laughs> Very good. Well, how do you say your last name? I'm it, sure it, I should... Yes, Treherne, you're correct. You're correct. It's, it's Cornish. Oh, that's that's followed me up in the Cornish. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I don't speak chicken. Um, anyway. What? Are you Cornish. abusing the... Hang on, we're only five minutes into the show. Show me you're abusing the guests. <laughs> no, no, this is a distinguished guest. Don't, don't. You know, this is a classy now, so... That's never, sto- that's never stopped you before. <laughs> Remember, I'm American. Oh, Remember- can, can I just apologise, Anne? I, I'm uh, for- American. I can get away with that, right? No. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Carry on. I just want to apologise to Anne. Thank you. That's okay. Thank you for the big build-up. <laughs> a- anyway, Anne, how do you say good afternoon in Scottish Gaelic? No idea. I don't speak... <laughs> I don't speak Gaelic. Ah, damn. How about Scottish? Some other Scottish? No, no, that that is Scottish, Ron. Oh, there's no other Scottish? Well, you've got you've got Irish garlic. Or is that French? No, that's that's something you put on. You've got Gaelic and Gaelic, which is Irish and Scottish. You've got Welsh and you've got garlic, which is French. Right. Yeah, we would would say Gaelic as well. You don't have the Gaelic. Yeah, Yeah, me neither. Anyways, moving right along, and I want to thank you so much uh, for taking time out of your schedule. I've been dying to speak with you for several months now, ever since I saw Cal Cooper's post about the center. And uh, we have uh, some things in common. We have many friends in common, believe it or not. Uh, I just got a message from Stephen Scott, who's up in your neck of the woods, and he said to say hi to you. Uh, he, He professes to be a spiritualist medium. Ooh. What? Was it something I said? 
you know Steve is a good friend of mine. You know that. That's fine. Was, anyway, was a good friend of yours. Was a good friend. I, think, I think you've just offended him now as well. No, no, no. Anyways, uh, and uh, the first thing I want to find out is more, what is the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle setup? Well, it's a, it's a spiritual center for the benefit of the mind, body, spirit. So we do things like um, yoga and tai chi and meditation, but we have a spiritual uh, spiritualist church in the building. And of course, uh, the main thing we do is, um, is mediumship development, development classes. Mm-hmm. So we work with the top mediums internationally and we do demonstrations and workshops. So that's what, that's what we do at the Arthur and Doyle Centre. And Steve, I, I believe you've been to that centre, right? Um, no, I, I think, don't. No, 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 the Theosophical Society I've been to, not the Conan Doyle Centre. Oh, you confused me. Yeah, you're easily confused, that's why. Mm. You'll need to still, Steve. I will, I will we at do. some point. Yeah. I mean, I've been to Edinburgh so many times, um, but mostly I, I'm either deep underground in Murray King's Close with the Ghost yeah. Fest, or... Uh, we did some some of the uh, ghost fest uh, after, um, I suppose after show talks. Uh, yeah. But we use the Theosophical Society. Ah, well, well, the Theosophical Society. Um... Was it just me? Hello. 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 Yes, I'm still here. <laughs> Not sure. Steve, did you did you hear her all the way through that? No, because of, of the big truck that just drove past your place. <laughs> what truck? How can you hear this stuff? <laughs> I'm sorry, Anne. Would you repeat what you said? Yeah. Um, the Theosophical Society may be coming into our building. Um, ah, right. At least temporarily. Is being um, refurbished. Ah. So we know the Theosophical Society very well. One, one thing I did, the Arthur and Doyle Centre has uh, just been set up since 2011, and because of my background in research, I also thought I wanted to have a speakers program. Talks um, from just academics, scientific investigators, talking on the subject. So very welcome. Do you know what? I'd absolutely love to. Um, if we make contact after the show, um, I'm easily found by email. Um, I can forward her an email on it to you. Yeah, that, 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 would be, that would be great. Yeah. Any excuse to get back to Edinburgh again? Well, Cal, Cal Cooper's been here a couple of times, and, and Chris Rowe, and Nick Kyle, Trisha Robertson, all of these people. So, um, yeah, we, have, we, have, we try to put on a very interesting speakers programme. As, as in, well, the, the S, I, I, I've done a, a, a talks for the SSPR, um, yes. and I remember one very um, interesting night with Sir Archie. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I suppose people, you know, remember him as one of Scotland's, if not the UK's, leading psychic researchers. I just. As, as indeed I did, up until um, the night I came up to the SSPR, and um, I now remember him as a teller of some of the bluest jokes I've ever heard. <laughs> he had a wicked sense of humour. He did. <laughs> he, yeah. he was, he was uh, an incredibly clever and incredibly funny man. Yeah, 
Oh, he's a rare lovely. combination. He was a lovely man. He really was a lovely man. Yeah. Since uh, you're speaking in the past tense, I assume he's passed. Sadly. He has, he has yes, yes. He's my hero because he rescued me. Um, I don't know if you've, you've read some of my bio, my background. But of course I have, yeah. <laughs> but, it's my job. <laughs> so, so my background in banking and finance, and, and I started getting um, premonitions. And it was Archie Roy who I sought out to to help me and explain what was going on. So, and he then promptly recruited me to his organisation. So, um, uh, yes, he's. I have fond fond memories of Archie. Indeed, he was a, he was a hero to me too, and um, a great great man, and a huge contributor to psychical research. Um, his work, particularly his work on the um, the cross correspondence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, which, yeah. which I mean, to most, even to most uh, parapsychologists, psychical researchers, is still impenetrable. <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's a uh, his his book, The Eager Dead. Uh, in fact, all of his books um, on psychical research are to be highly recommended and sought out. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's a sad loss. A brilliant man and great character as well. Um, and when when we used to do investigations and called out to people's homes and things like that, he had a neat way of saying, um, you know, if someone said, so what do you think? He would say, interesting. <laughs> And you knew then that he didn't believe anything that was going on. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's so that's so funny, and because Steve and I actually have uh, what we call degrees of interesting, which is that's interesting, that's very interesting, but that's kind of interesting. <laughs> what's, what's the rest of them? There's a whole series of them. But a lot, a, well, a lot of them also depend on intonation in the way it's said as well. Yes, it, that as well. Exactly. There's a whole code of communication going on. <laughs> and anyway, Ian, uh, you mentioned that uh, I, this I did not know about you, but that you were a, uh, a uh, an investigator, and you, you do go into private investigations. So... Uh, uh, what I mean, what was your role on these investigations? Uh, well, as I said, uh, um, Archie Roy recruited me when I was uh, had no idea at all about um, this phenomenon and the investigations. Well, I was just suffering premonitions and didn't know what was going on with me. And, and he promptly recruited me. And I would love to tell you it was for my sparkling written repartee or, or, or even, even my investigative skills, but I knew nothing of that at all. It was simply that his organisation was based in Glasgow and I was based in Edinburgh and they needed someone to pair up with an investigator in Edinburgh. And I can remember him saying when I said, I don't know anything about this. I don't know what I would be doing as an investigator. And he said, you can write a report, can't you? <laughs> so so um, he, he wanted me because I was in Edinburgh and I, he needed someone paired up with their investigator there and to go along and write reports. So initially, my job was one of report writing. But um, I... 
investigations of as a scientific investigator. And that's that's what we did. Go um when people called and a ghost in the house or some strange phenomenon investigate and try and help the people. Record it and try and help. It's you know, that's an intriguing part as far as uh, helping people. Do you do you find that uh, difficult, especially in nowadays with so many of these TV programs on, and uh, people expect certain things because they see these television shows, and if if you don't live up to that standard, uh, do you do you find that's all kind of muddled now? Oh, unfortunately, you're correct. Yes, um, TV and most haunted has not. Um, help the situation at all. It's not done us any favours at all. Um, and I found initially when the Scottish Society of Psychical Research did their investigations, initially they only went along to investigate and they would write a report and say, well, that's very interesting. And they would come away and add it to the, the files and the archives. And I, used to, I was amazed initially that the organisation could do that and leave the people in the same state they were in before they started. You know, two investigators come along, find this all very fascinating, and people needed desperate help. And um, they were just left in the same situation they were before we arrived. And I thought we should be taking medium with us to assist in some of these situations. And eventually that happened. And, um, you know, I developed my own mediumship as well. So, you have to do your best to try and help people, and it's more that than the actual investigative side now, I would say, probably because of the TV programs as well. People actually need assistance with whatever they're experiencing. Yeah, it's, it's sad, I think, in so many ways, and even, you know, uh, for just a plain paranormal investigator, not uh, someone who's there to try to help but just try to understand what's going on is that they have to live up to that same standard that's on TV if that if they and, and that could vary of course depending upon the TV show that you you watch that the client watches yeah yeah and we also I mean I have a psychic investigation unit now as part of the Arthur Conan Doyle Center so when we go along to investigate, we're definitely going along with a view to assisting the person who's suffering um, some sort of paranormal activity, but also with a whole sheaf of information for people who have other issues, health issues, mental health issues, abuse issues, um, dependency issues, because often you find there are other factors involved here as well, and therefore we are not the ones to help in those situations. And sometimes you just need to direct the people to the to the right agency that can help them. Mm -hmm. That's that's true. Now, now Steve was actually a part of one of those TV shows, uh, so I guess we can blame him for some of the uh, conditions that are. Yeah, you, you can you can absolutely blame me for the very few episodes where some good practice were appeared because. Uh, right, right, right. 
Well, I, I, I think... Um, and I saw a note on it. All the paranormal investigators did was stand there with a, either a note and pad or, or their hands in their pocket. That's it. That's what the best investigators should do, isn't it? Observe. Uh, or, or, or scream. <laughs> uh, scream. <laughs> I like that one. You would never find, but Kieran was a screamer, but you, I don't think you would ever find me doing that. Um, but Anne, I, I, I suppose as part of um, um, penance for being on Most Haunted, I guess. Um, you, oh. you might be pleased to hear I, I've just sent off the final manuscript to the SPR for the new spontaneous uh, guide notes for the spontaneous case investigators. Oh. Um, which I, which I noted uh, a couple of years ago, hadn't been up, up, uh, revised since 1968. So um, that's been that's been occupying me for the last 12 months. But that's a job now done, and the, the manuscript um, has been detached off to uh, printing. The SPR down in London, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm a member there as well. I look forward to reading that. Yeah, that's good. Yes, I, I look forward to reading it as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's been quite a struggle. You know what the council can be like sometimes. It, it's it's a very slow beastie, is uh, the SPR. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they they it can be a bit like swimming in custard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, what, what is the relationship between the Scottish SPR and, and the SPR London? Uh, pre or post Brexit? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Professor Archie Roy was um, was president of the SPR in London at, at the time that they set up an organisation in Scotland. So he is like I would say. In, in actual fact, I think the actual the, the the answer is that they're they're almost independent of one another. Although that there is a, a strong bond between the two. Um, yeah. I, you know, I mean, certainly Trisha turns up, Trisha Robertson turns up at most of the SPR conferences and uh, events, the, um, or hasn't in the last couple of years, but used to. Yeah. And of course, Archie was a regular attender um, at the conferences and uh, when he went, and of course, when he was um, president. So, yeah, they, they are entirely separate. Um, yes. They they have gained their independence, <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't need a referendum to do it. Now the SPR and the relationship with uh, I, I, the I, I assume and, and you know get, correct me if I'm wrong, but the SPR contains all, all type of. Um, uh, members, uh, there are mediums and psychics, but there are also uh, people that refer themselves as paranormal investigators. Or all is there a, any relationship between them, or, or is is uh, their lines divided between them? I guess, or, or are they just tolerate each other? Between the different members within the organization, yeah, the, t the different, you know, the ones with different uh, modalities, uh, you know, for instance. Uh, you mean, you do know. we fight? Yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah. Uh, no, the SPR lets anybody in. Um, the, the, there's no restriction on membership of the mm -hmm. Society for Psychical Research, and I, is that I'm, I assume that's the same for the SSPR as well. I'm not aware of any restrictions. It's it's the same. I think it's good that it has. Yeah. Different disciplines. 
Exactly. And, and of course, during the early days, uh, back in, 18, in the early 1880s, when the SPR was formed, there was a strong link between them and the spiritualists. And it was only, it was only later on that, um, in fact, Conan Doyle was one of the protagonists in the split, when the spiritualists went one way and the SPR became more, or should I say, were, were seen to be less spiritualist friendly. Yes, yes. Um, because of a falling out between Doyle and the spiritualist side of the society, because Doyle was a member of the SPR, um, yes. and then famously resigned his membership. That's right, yeah, yeah. and the Ghost Club member. Yeah, and resigned from that as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. and the Masons. And the that twice as well. <laughs> <laughs> he he was he, he alternated friendship and falling out with most of the people, didn't he? Like Houdini, Harry Price. Uh, yeah. you know, there was a there was a long stream of letters between Price and Houdini, uh, between Doyle and Houdini, and Doyle and Price. Alternatively, um, you know, Doyle would write congratulating Price on supporting a medium, and then the next month he was threatening him with all sorts because Price had, was standing as a witness uh, in the prosecution against the medium. And this went on, you know, uh, back and forth between Houdini, Doyle, Price, and Doyle for years. Yeah. It was a kind of weird love hate relationship they all had. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm sorry, and did they? You, you've you've chosen the name as as uh, for for Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Is there a particular reason? Um, well, he was born in Edinburgh, so he's he's, he's from Edinburgh, and um, I'm embarrassed to say that Edinburgh does not celebrate its most famous son very well. Really. No, so we have no uh, no museum, no real memorial to Arthur Conan Doyle, and you know, such a great man. Oh, absolutely. And born and brought up in Edinburgh, and we have nothing. And so when we purchased the Arthur Conan Doyle Centre, and I don't know if you've seen a picture of it on the website, I mean, it's a magnificent um, example of a Victorian townhouse. It's a six-storey building, and it, it is magnificent. And when we bought such a grand building in Edinburgh as a spiritual centre with a spiritualist church in it, we thought it a thing named after Arthur Conan Doyle. So in that way, at least there is a building um, that carries his name. So, uh, so we named it after him because he was from Edinburgh, because he was a famous author, but because principally because he was a spiritualist. Um, and it's a building for spiritual development. So. By any chance, do you have his portrait in there? Sorry, say that again? By any chance, do you have his portrait at the centre? Oh, I've got his portrait on the front of the building. Oh, excellent. excellent. And I've, okay. Yes, I've got numerous pictures inside of him as well, yes. Oh, okay, that's excellent. I was curious. Now, I, I'd like to just uh, ask Anne, has, has Sir Arthur, um, because Sir Arthur, after his death, of course, famously com continued to communicate and promote the world of spiritualism, I, I believe as White Cloud, um, has, has, has Sir Arthur continued to pop in from time to time? <laughs> No, you're going to put me on the spot now, because I've just, <laughs> I, you see, I've just given you the answer about why we named the Arthur Conan Doyle Centre. Um, that's that's my public answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's 
that's what I tell everyone. That's why we named the, the centre the Archangel Centre, which is true. We, we, you know, the grand building, fitting mm -hmm. memorial to to Archangel. Um, but, but the other answer is, he directed us towards that building, and he made it happen, and um, that's why the building's named after him. Um, my, I sit in. A, I have a small closed circle. Um, oh. We've been sitting together, my group, for mm, 12, 15 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. about six years before the building had ever been heard of, had any notion of it at all, we started getting communication telling us that this building was going to materialise, which none of the group um, thought was at all possible. And um, slowly but surely, it did happen, and so um, he was responsible for that. Really, not not us, not me. That's that's interesting. It's 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 quite interesting to know that um, he's still in contact. Uh, but I, I I'm right. It was White Cloud, wasn't it, that he communicated as originally, uh, following his death. White Eagle. White Eagle, that's right. Does he still use that same, or has he sort of lost the moniker now? Um, is he still White Eagle, or is he Sir Arthur? When, when he started communicating with me many years ago, and I was um, developing I was seeing in my and I was, I, was, I was trying to give him away. I was saying to the people in front of me, I've got this man here, and I was describing him, you know, an elderly man, he's a big man, he's got a moustache, he's got grey hair. Logically, I was thinking, he must be someone's grandfather. So mm -hmm. I was, in my mediumship, I was trying to say, someone here must recognise this man. And of course, as you know, in mediumship, you need a... You need a like my grandfather <laughs> and no no one claimed him no one claimed him <laughs> week after week I kept sending him away thinking no nobody recognises him and my mediumship must be must be awful because nobody recognises this man I keep seeing but he kept he kept turning up turning up turning up as himself I was seeing him as himself mm -hmm. and now at that point I I picked up you know, if, if you gave me some mug shots and said it was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, at that point I couldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. His face wasn't known to me. Um, now I recognise him in an instant and, and in, throughout his life in his many changes of features. This elderly man who seemed to be communicating with me, and I naturally thought he was someone else, and that's why I kept for for months. months I kept giving him away, and nobody would accept him <laughs> until my small group said to me, "I think he's for you, and I think he's trying to communicate with you." Uh, so we put together all the pieces, all giving us clues, lots of clues as to his identity, uh, because I. I think the other thing is, um, if someone had come through to me and said, I'm Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and I'm, I would have thought that 
I would have dismissed that. I would someone, someone is actually trying to uh, get to me right now and tell me that we have to take a break. So, okay. um, in that case, uh, you'll listen to Ghost Chronicles International with Ron. We'll be right back. Welcome to Talkinet Radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. Chronicles, the international edition, without any German accents or any other nonsense. You're listening to uh, Ron Kolek, me, uh, who you all know I am, and our very special guest, Andrew Hearn, who is the chairman, president, and I guess the boss of the Sir Arthur Conan Doyle Centre, all located in Edinburgh, a great city, the capital city of the Scottish Empire. And uh, I apologise for the audio gremlins. I think the other side are trying to communicate. Um, But we will press on regardless. Good evening, Stephen W. Scott in the chat room. Yes. Anne, are you with us? Anne? Yes, I'm here, yes. Okay. One thing I did want to ask you about before I forget, so this is a good time to do it, and that is the biofield. You seem to be doing, uh, I was reading uh, some of the stuff about, uh, yes, the biofield. Could you explain that, what it is and and what you're doing? Yes, it's, um, I suppose it's similar to an aura camera, except my program defragments whatever it sees on the screen into tiny little photons of light. So, um, and then represents it back on the screen again, together with color. And the color is attached to 
um, the frequency of those photons of light. So it's, it's I, I was very interested in auras and aura cameras as a member of the Scottish Society of Psychical Research. Part of my investigation, I was always interested in auras. But what concerned me about Kirlian photography was actually the application of the um, electronic plates. I always thought, I'm not a scientist myself, but I always thought if you apply an electrical charge to anything, it's hardly surprising that you see a flash <laughs> <laughs> that you can record on a phone and camera. Um, so I wanted to look for something that would remove this third party, this electrical charge, and just look at the light around a subject, a, a, you know, a living person or a, a living thing. Um, we know that we all exude an electromagnetic field. And I wanted to know what was going on in that aura when students or mediums were performing in altered states of consciousness. I wanted to see what was happening in their aura. So that's what I look at. That's what I'm interested in, um, is the biofield. And the other name for that is the biofield. Um, Kirlian called it uh, the corona, corona discharge, the aura, uh, the biofield. Steve, are you familiar with that? I'm familiar with Kalean photography and the, many, many... the biofield. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I've read some of the so, so, some um, articles and papers on related areas. This idea that uh, I mean, and it's perfectly correct. We do emit an electromagnetic field. Uh, right. It surrounds us and is entirely measurable. Um, yeah. You know, it forms the basis of a lot of modern medical um, monitoring equipment. Yeah. And in fact, you know, we can detect reliably detect the human electromagnetic field from the heartbeat out to many tens of feet from an individual uh, person. Um, so, yeah, um, it's certainly a concept I'm familiar with, and I'm certainly aware of research in, in the, that's looking at the, that in those directions. Mm. So, I, so wanted to, I wanted to, that, that being the case, I wanted to look at what would happen when a subject went into altered states. Um, you know, Professor Chris Rowe of Northampton University, he's looking at brain waves and um, you know, when, when a medium's working on stage and things like that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to know what was happening to their aura. I wanted to know what was happening to this uh, biofield if they were performing mediumship or meditation or trance or whatever. I also wanted to see if it was possible to capture another energy um, entity on the system. That was really what I was looking looking for as well, from a, from a psychic investigator's point of view. You see, that's the part that would have me... Um, a little... Yeah, because not not the the actual direction of the research. Um, s studying the human biofield seems mm -hmm. to be you know, perfectly viable and yeah. valid. Where I where I uh, start to question is this idea that we can uh, look for other entities because mm -hmm. I don't think that we. I mean, we can't define them, and we don't actually know what it is we're measuring. So you might find an anomaly, but then to then leap and say that that's another entity which yeah, is but, it's happened with with other psychical researchers you know they've but, they've but i mean but but, you, but you, what? 
it, it, people have seen ghosts of spirits. Yeah. What they believe. Well, that's, right? that, well, so nah, it's, ah, if it's ah. seen. No. Uh, no. Uh, no. The problem with that is you're reliant entirely upon the person telling you that the that they have seen the apparition. Yeah, that's a subjective but, account. Now, now, if you have a camera that you can take a photograph of the field uh, from a a ghost or something they see that would seem to validate that a little bit, maybe? Uh, well, uh, I mean, the, the, the uh, ultimate uh, the maybe? ultimate for every uh, every investigator is a, a correlation between an objective um, measurement and right. a subjective account. Somebody said that they saw something, heard something, or whatever, at the same time that a piece of equipment registers uh, an identical or a similar anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the problem is, what, what is that anom- anomaly? It's not the, the existence. I, I think we accept them quite, quite happily. But it's the lack of knowledge of what constitutes a ghost or a right. spirit or an entity. Right. For us, for the, so then complete the, complete the circle and say uh, that is an entity is the part, the part I have issue, I, I would question. Well, what issue. you could say is I've seen this shape, and this shape has a biofield, so what? Did I speak in a different language? I'm sorry. I would agree with both of you, actually. I, I, at the moment, I'm experimenting with it to see if it's possible, or mm-hmm. what, what you can pick up in the biofield when yeah. mediums are performing certain exercises, it, you know, all other factors being equal, the biofield um, shouldn't change to any great extent just because someone's sitting on a seat doing meditation or or um, or mediumship for that matter. But you can see the electromagnetic field expanding, and I have captured some. Let's just say interesting phenomena. I would agree with you, Steve, that you can't you can't point to a picture and say that is an entity. But what, at the moment, I can point to a picture and say this program is picking up light energy that mm-hmm. appears to be coming into the picture, but not being emanated by the medium or the subject in the picture. It's coming in from a different direction, which there is no explanation for at the moment. No, and, 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 you know, I find that equally fascinating, too, and it's something that I have, re- uh, have encountered very, very occasionally, very rarely uh, in spontaneous case investigations, where there appears to be a different energy field uh, objectively measured using equipment uh, and corroborating what the witnesses were describing um, at the time. Yes. And it, didn't, it wasn't emanating from them. Yes, uh, and it seemed to approach and recede, um, you know, from 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 what. The, in fact, they were holding a, uh, a seance at the time because they were reproducing one of the original um, events that they said started the phenomena at the at the particular location, and we had them reproduce it for us while we were measuring the enviro, you know, the the, the environment. Um, and also, you know, as part of the environment, we were measuring the individuals, mm-hmm. um, we, uh, not electromagnetically, but we were mon- monitoring some of the physical um, ah, yeah. attributes, yeah. their temp- body temperature and heart rate and yes. 
um, and, and similar. And we did, we did, um, as I say, on um, a rare occasions, detect an anomaly, an anomalous energy field within the, the, the environment that we've, we struggle to uh, find any explanation for, any plausible explanation for. I mean, a skeptic, as you know, can explain anything away. Yeah. Just ask, just ask Richard Wiseman. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Ian, are we talking as a biofield? Now, let's look at it from a different modality. Which, say, dowsing. No, you have the old classic uh, L rods where you walk towards a person. As you get closer, they open up, and as you walk away, they close. Yes. So, right, and uh, you know there are certain people that can draw in their energy fields, and those can be measured with dowsing rods, very similar to. Uh, uh, you know, other instruments as well. Is is that the same type of field we're talking about, or is that entirely something different? Um, I'm, what I am looking at is is the light body. That's that's what I'm looking at. And um, dowsing rods is working with energy, so that's correct. Well, what your magnetic energy could very well work with it. Yes, that's right. Correct. Uh huh. So, so, but my program is particularly and displaying it as an image rather than the rods right. as an elect in in reaction to the electromagnetic field. Well, it was, it was intriguing. If if you could, uh, you know, photograph it or or, or, or uh, how you're recording it. Do that the same experiment where you could see the biofield expand and contract. It would be intriguing as well. Well, that's fine. I, I do that all the time now. Oh, you do it? Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm just back from Frankfurt where I've been running a workshop where we the students have been sitting in front of the camera. Watch. It gives them something tangible. You know, if we're... Um, tutoring them to, into mediumship and saying you need to expand your energy and you know reaching out. If they can actually see it happening on film as they do that, mm-hmm. it gives some tangible um, visual representation of what they're actually doing. So that was one of the reasons I got it. But I was also just intrigued in the back of my mind: would it actually pick anything else up? And just as Steve has said, I've already picked up. Um, anomalous um, images, let's say, um, when carrying out these experiments that I wasn't expecting to see, that emerge into the picture or into the film in this case, not coming, not emanating from the subject, coming into the the picture from another source. With the with the camera that you're using, and is it is it thermographic, or are we still within the visible light spectrum? It's visible light spectrum. So uh, it's, uh, that's that's quite fascinating. So you're you're actually using some sort of I, I I mean I'm not aware of the technology that you're particularly using. I'm guessing it's some sort of light amplification, light intensifier camera. Um, yes, you don't ask me any technical questions. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> About what it is, but I it's um yes, it's photons of light that it's it's extracting from the image that it sees. Right. Okay. Defragmenting that and analysing them um, according to the frequency, and then applying the colour back on screen. So, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. As soon as you said it by frequency analysis, I understood what you mean, um, because each each colour of light um, has its own separate frequency, uh, ranging from the infrared to the ultraviolet and then beyond. No, so, uh, yeah, I understand broadly what it's doing. Yeah. 
So, so therefore, when you see another source of energy or an, or another source of light, let's just say, mm-hmm. the, you and all the, your other factors are the same, are, are held constant, then you've got to question what is that? And, and you know, and the camera is picking up the electromagnetic field of the subject of the student in this case, and quite a distinct separate one appearing on the film as well. I find that fascinating. Um, how how would you rule out uh, getting any reflection? Um, just because of the conditions that you set up in the first place. Okay. You, you, you've set up the conditions so you can't get any reflection or any shadow. Um, and actually, one of the best pieces, when, when I, best piece of, um, let's say, anomalous um, sources of energy that's appeared on film was actually when we were teaching students to sit, to sit in trance. So we were actually sitting in a darkened room. So there was no other external light source for reflection or shadow or anything like that. Well, I, there is actually one, and that's the person themselves. Yes. The person themselves, yes, which is what we were filming in the first place. Yeah, because um, every, well, in fact, every object emits infrared light, infrared energy, which is detectable by a photon camera. Um, it's, so yeah, you're absolutely bang on with, you know, the person is the source of the light. Yes. Um, right. So, Anne, will you be doing a, a paper on this or, or publishing this in a book or, or publishing it anywhere? <laughs> at, at the moment, I'm writing a book, which I need to really get on with and, and do more of that and, <laughs> and less right. of anything else I'm doing. Um, so, um, the, the, to, I'm writing the book about my experiences basically about how the Arthur and Jaw Centre came to be in Arthur and Jaw communicating that it's amazing the number of it's almost as if he's set up a whole lot of other fascinating um, experiences to be added to it and this is just the latest one actually so um, so, I'm, so I'm not publishing scientific papers no I'm oh, not in my experience but maybe Steve can come up and I'll show him my results and he can make there you it. Go. I absolutely <laughs> lo- I, yeah, I would absolutely love to see um, what you've been doing with the biofield experiments. So it does sound yeah. intriguing. Yeah. Um, more than interesting, intriguing. Yes, intriguing. But I do think that that would make a fantastic journal paper. I, don't, I think so. I think, I think you should be encouraged to write that um, as a journal um, there's a paper for the jerk. Cal, yes, Cal do it. Cal's too busy. <laughs> yeah, Cal's too, yeah, no, he's too busy floating around oh, in his I tank at the moment. Tank. Oh, his tank's all done, isn't he? Uh, no, he's back. He's back in the goldfish back bowl. Back in the tank again, man. Yeah, sadly, he keeps floating face up though. Yeah. So he's so, back in speedos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I know we're running out of time, and I and I do want to ask some about something that's very dear to me. Uh, for the past over three years now, we've been running uh, a red light seance here in, in the U.S. Uh, every first uh, Tuesday of the month, and uh, I'm interested in if you have done any red light seances and, and some of the the results that you have uh, achieved in them. My, my own little group, my own closed circle, sit in red light. 
and we have we have a cabinet as well because we just find that that increases the energy i don't think it's necessary but when we do that the energy is much more powerful so so yes we have done that and um we have had over the years a number of uh, physical phenomena um manifest itself in that circle Could you give us some examples um, well, I suppose it's, it started off like the Fox Sisters. It started off right at the very beginning with with them um, banging on the wall. Um, and strangely enough, another coincidence, my small group started sitting in the Theosophical Society that you refer to. Uh-huh. We hired a room there up in the top floor of the Theosophical Society. And we, when we sat initially, we started getting these this banging on the wall. And because we had space there, you initially expect it to be someone in the room next door and we would stop him and we'd go and investigate no one there the room was empty but this banging went on week after week after week to such an extent that eventually they hired the room next door to a, a buddhist group and we thought they're going to start complaining about us because of the banging on the wall but interestingly when you spoke to them afterwards they heard nothing but the bangs on the wall in in our room were quite loud, um, and we recorded all our sessions and and I transcribed them all. So we've done this for years, and this is the material that's going into the book. Um, and I do remember on one occasion, as I was typing back the the recording of our last session, it was almost as if something said to me, "Stop typing for a minute and listen. You're going to hear something on the tape." And I did, I just stopped typing and I listened. And initially there was a tiny little, like a little bell tinkling. And I thought, that's strange. There's nothing in the room that would be tinkling like that. And then the next thing there was this bang, like this gong, like 20th century Fox gong going off on the tape. Um, But still to this day, I have no idea how that manifests itself because there was nothing in the room that would give a sound like that. So it started like that, and we got lots of, we got had direct voice, we had um, uh, um, things moving in the room, we had a porch, and, and, and I think we, we, we also had um, almost um, um, a physical manifestation um, of uh, a being partly appeared in the room um, that was all happened at the Theosophical Society many years ago when my group started um, initially. So the red light and the darkened room, I don't think that's necessary these days anymore, um, but it certainly helps concentrate the energy when you're doing stuff like this. So when the banging first materialized, did you attempt to uh, communicate uh, like the Fox sisters did with the banging in the walls, or, or just yes, we, we did all that. Yes, 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 we did all that. Yeah, um, and and interestingly as well, as a psychic investigator, we, we were then told to use a Ouija board, and of course that was very much against the grain with me, just ah. because just because I've encountered so many cases where people have had issues with it. Yeah. Uh, so being tested to see if we had trust in our communicators in our team to see if we would do some of the things that we were being um, asked to do 
so I know we were being tested. So we did all, all of those things. Um, and I'll say eventually after Conan Doyle began communicating and that resulted in the Art Conan Doyle Centre. Oh, that came from the, the Red Light Science? Had its origins here? Yeah. It came through our group. Yeah. Oh, wow, that's that's fascinating. Now, uh, you know, I didn't say interesting. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, that's worrying. <laughs> now, the other thing that's, that's also intriguing is, is, is so many of these early uh, seances, uh, especially, uh, you know, you, you look at the pictures of from uh, uh, Glenn Hamilton and... Uh, you, you see that uh, the, the ectoplasm that appears seems to be so, um, what's the word? Fake. That's a good word. That's a good word. Uh, do you know any cases of, of uh, uh, ectoplasm that, that uh, was not fake, I guess? <laughs> no, I don't. Okay. I don't. All the ones I know of. I don't believe are genuine. Yeah, because, I mean, we hear, I mean, I, I know people that uh, have gone to the Arthur Finley College and they, they speak of the red light seance and, and, and how it, the red light is used to protect their medium uh, when ectoplasm uh, appears. I'm not yeah. quite sure of the relationship, but um, that's why I was intrigued. In all the years that you've been doing this red light seance, you've never had ectoplasm appear, have you? No, in fact, in fact, quite the contrary. I was told by by the spirit group communicating that that was no longer necessary. That things had moved on, moved on. Really? Um, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. So things evolve into the spirit world as well as in our world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I believe so. Oh. What's what's uh, on the subject of ectoplasm? Whilst I think you know we we all shouted fake, there is a little uh, evidence to support uh, ectoplasm or teleplasm. Sorry, I knew you were going to bring up the snot. The snot. Yeah, the vial of snot that the SBI has. No, no, no. I was actually going to bring up Harry Price's work because oh. Price was. Price was actually the witness for the prosecution against Helen Duncan in the regurgitation case because it was quite obvious that what Helen Duncan was doing was regurgitating um, yeah, but, um, butter muslin. Uh, um, but uh, he had a set of experiments that he did with um, Eva C. Uh, using a, a device of his own creation called the Shadow Apparatus. And uh, Eric Dingwall, uh, another researcher who worked with Price, another SPR member, um, reported using the Shadow Apparatus to, uh, to observe with his own eyes. Um, and they tried to use photography, infrared photography, with no success, unfortunately, as one of these, as Price called it, teleplasmic rods, this ectoplasm um, manifested from the medium towards the uh, the uh, table they were using. So there is there is a little evidence to support. Uh, you know, did you tell me that there's a, there's a sample of ectoplasm somewhere in a? Yes, there is. There's one at the SPR. 
see, I, I don't remember. I don't forget these things, Steve. You're I, probably I, wise to, because it is, in fact, not um, here. It's, it's... Well, since we don't really know what ectoplasm is... Well, this one's been looked at many, many times by many, many people. It's been poked and prodded and... So it's pretty much contaminated. It's, well, it's pretty much fake. <laughs> it's one of the fake ones, I'm afraid. Uh, but I I just wanted to add, you know, to the to the thing before, you know, we all shouted fake, and yet there is some uh, evidence to suggest that uh, it, certainly the early, the earlier mediums. Well, anyways, we do have to go because that was the bell, so we have to wrap it up. That was a doorbell, which means pizza from the dentist here, and we've got to wrap it up. So, Anne, anything else you would like to add uh, before we say goodbye to you? No, it's just a pleasure working with you guys, and I uh, hope that we can get together some, again, perhaps in the Arthur Conador Centre. Oh, that would be awesome. Drop me uh, an email. <laughs> I will do, I will do. Yeah, and I, I'll follow, I already did, I already followed her, her stuff to you. But uh, one thing before, and I have 30 seconds left, is, is one, one uh, interesting thing we did have at uh, at Light Science is that Steve brought over Spirit uh, Lamp, and we did get to get that thing to go off uh, during the seance, so that was intriguing. But we've had a few other things. Excellent. Well done. So, uh, Anne, thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure. And uh, uh, if anything else uh, comes up that you, you would like to talk to us about, let us know, and we'll have you on again. Oh, will do. Thank you for the invitation. Okay, so that's the end of the show. Don't forget, Steve's going to be coming over here in September for Spirit Quest. Uh, in search of, and that is in September 28th, 29th, and October, and uh, whatever, 28th, whatever. Anyways, we gotta go. <laughs> God bless. Good night, God bless. Thanks, Anne. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.